So please note there was a printing error in your bulletin. Tonight's scripture actually comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful uh, for this time to come before your word. Lord, as we are accustomed to doing each week, we gather as your church, as your body, many members but one. Lord, we surrender our hearts and our minds, Lord, even our doubts, and we ask that you would, Lord, speak in and through us as we read and as we contemplate uh, spiritual gifts. Lord, it's something that may feel foreign to many of us. Uh, It may feel uncomfortable even, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, deepen our understanding tonight and that you would excite us about uh, the, the privilege and the grace that it is to receive gifts from you, God, through the Holy Spirit who apportions them to each of us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say uh, happy Mother's Day uh, to everybody out there as well. Uh, Today is a day that uh, we celebrate moms, both moms of biological children and and spiritual children. I think it's important that we have a day where we mark out uh, the motherly characteristics that God has uniquely given to women that we can celebrate. So I wanted to give a rose to all the ladies uh, in the room. Uh, we, we want to celebrate, we want to honor, and as Pastor Tommy said earlier, we also want to recognize that this is a difficult day for others. While we're celebrating uh, motherhood and we're celebrating uh, the unique motherly gifts that God has given to women, at the same time, for, for many of you here, maybe it's a difficult day because your mom uh, has passed away, or uh, maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mom, or you desire to become a mom, but God hasn't afforded that. Uh, opportunity and that gift yet. And I think that uh, we want you to know that we're praying for you and that we care for you. This is a church that can care for you as you mourn uh, some of the difficult things that life throws at us. And our church this week and all of our services this morning as well as this evening, uh, we have been praying for uh, both celebrating moms and also for those of you that uh, this is a difficult day for you. But the hope is this, is that we have a God who is our Father, but also a God who has motherly love and attributes attached to His nature as well. You see, we are all made in His image, men and women, and God is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit, and the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit, who we are specifically talking about and looking at through this new series called The Gift, carries with him in his nature, the motherly attributes that we celebrate on this day. You see, actually in scripture, it says that when you come to faith in Christ, that the Holy Spirit brings about new birth in you. 
a rebirth of your soul. The Holy Spirit also guides and counsels and comforts and nurtures and convicts and equips things that we celebrate in motherhood. And this evening, we're looking at how the Holy Spirit equips us, specifically with spiritual gifts. We said that we were going to start trekking in this series as we looked last week at spiritual practices, and we're going to get deeper, deeper, deeper into more depth to the meat and potatoes of the series, and that is beginning tonight as we look at what are the spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are a peculiar thing, and some of you arriving tonight, maybe you knew that we were going to look at this this evening, you're just hearing this now, you're like, I have an interesting interaction with spiritual gifts, maybe uh, you have really no association, you're new to church, uh, you're just kind of getting into the faith, you're beginning the journey of faith now, so you have like really no association with spiritual gifts. Maybe you have a bad experience with the use and, and discussion around spiritual gifts, or maybe you've been in church for a while, maybe you were born and raised in the church, but it was avoided. You see, I think what happens when we speak about spiritual gifts or you hear that, typically you think of one of two things. The first is you think tongues, right? How many of you, when you heard spiritual gifts, you're like, tongues? And, you, and that, that's what made you nervous, because you're, you're unfamiliar with it. It seems bizarre to you. And if, you're, if we're honest, the way that you've seen tongues uh, portrayed or maybe what you've experienced feels like a little cultish, right? You're like, oh man, they're going to get into tongues. This is going to be wild. If you don't think tongues, then here's what you probably think. Spiritual gifts are things that God has naturally given you that you can discover through taking a spiritual gifts test. How many of you thought that? They're going to give us a test, and then we're going to just determine what all of our gifts are. Now, here's what I want to say. I want to kind of validate both of those things. The first is, if you're unfamiliar with the gifts, and if you had a bad experience, really no experience with the spiritual gifts, and you look at the gift of tongues, which is the most controversial, and to be honest, the most bizarre, it can feel weird, I understand. It can even feel a little cultish in its expression, but we're going to diagnose that a little bit throughout this series, so get excited. And then also, if you're sitting there, you're thinking, I can discover my spiritual gifts through a spiritual gift test. I think spiritual gift tests are helpful, but it's not exhaustive in, in regards to determining what God has apportioned you. You see, both of these perspectives, spiritual gifts are tongues and kind of bizarre, or it's just natural things that God has given you to discover through a test. Both of them are very narrow in understanding. And typically, if you have one of these two views, it leads you to ignore the spiritual gifts or maybe deny they exist. And so you become either a spiritual gift atheist where you're just like, I don't believe in them. I don't want anything to do with them. They're weird and unfamiliar. Or you're a spiritual gift agnostic. You're like, sure, but... I don't really know anything about them, and I'm not really concerned with them in any way, shape, or form. They have no effect on my life. Here's the problem. If you're a spiritual gift agnostic or a spiritual gift atheist, is that you, one, are missing out on a guaranteed place of power to serve from. The Holy Spirit, as we read in this passage, has apportioned gifts to each of you that believe in faith in Jesus Christ. You're missing out on a guaranteed place of power to serve from. And so most likely, your interaction with the church, your interaction with your faith, has been simply in regards to serving out of your own will, out of your own effort. 
which is probably why you feel burnt out often and exhausted, and you feel that God is uh, not moving you emotionally in many ways, and you feel unused by God. So that's a problem. The second problem is that if you have not taken the time to receive and to understand the spiritual gifts that God has apportioned you, and you've learned to develop them and to discover them and then unleash them uh, in the church in the way that God has uh, uniquely made you to serve, then you're not fitting into the body, the family of God, in the way that you're meant to. That's also a problem. So I brought something tonight I want to share with you. So as you guys know, um, a month ago, we welcomed our second son, Jordan, to the family, and it's been awesome. It's been wonderful spending time with the family. Yeah, I could clap every week. I love it. But I've been spending a lot of times with children's toys, like a lot. Been playing all types of games, and uh, you know, one of the things I was playing with, and I remember as a child, is this. How many of you know, remember this, Mr. Potato Head? Listen, they've upgraded. He's got a backwards cap on right now. You can do pirate Mr. Potato Head, super, I mean, you can do everything, but remember as a child, you know, this is a fun toy. You can mix, and you can match, and you can make them have different eyes, and he can stick his tongue out, and this one has a mustache, which is pretty incredible, and you know, the whole idea is that you learn as a child to figure out where the pieces go, right? You, the ears are here, the eyes are here, and you could flip them out, but the pieces are supposed to go in a certain way. You see, the problem is that if you are a spiritual gift atheist or you're a spiritual gift agnostic, what happens is, is that you miss out on a guaranteed place of power to serve from. And so you begin to plug into the church and serve in the church in the wrong place. You start to put, you know, the hand starts to go where the eyes are supposed to go. And then the nose is where the feet are supposed to go. And that just looks weird. And then this hand decided just to not even come in at all. The feet go on the side, you see, because it, this looks terrifying. It's like nightmares right here. You see, when you build him in the way that he's not meant to go, it looks abnormal. It, maybe it could be a little bit terrifying. And when you haven't taken the time to understand what spiritual gifts are and to discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you and then to develop them and unleash them in the church, this is what the church looks like. A bunch of people serving in a place they're not meant to serve because they're not serving within their gifting. They don't even know their gifting. And it's exhausting and kind of terrifying. You see, we have all been given certain gifts and we're called to understand what those are that God has given us and then to engage and function in the church that fits us. And so that's what we're going to seek to understand throughout this series tonight and the following weeks. So I mentioned a moment ago that spiritual gifts are, a, are the only guaranteed place of power to serve from. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about spiritual practices. And spiritual practices and spiritual gifts are two different things. Spiritual practices, I said, are the only place of power, guaranteed place of power, to be transformed. So spiritual practices are a place, as we looked at, where God will transform you through the implementation and engagement in them when you bring your heart into these practices. They're open and available to everyone. We looked at many of them, prayer, studying God's word, fasting, meditation, solitude, contentment, simplicity, confession, celebration, corporate worship. 
That as a, as a Christian, you're called, if you believe in faith in Christ, to begin to add all of these as a rhythm to your life. And when you engage in them, you find that it's a guaranteed place of power of transformation. Not transformation necessarily in the moment, but over time, God will transform you through these practices. Now, spiritual gifts are different. They're guaranteed places of power to serve from. And they're not open and available to everyone. Actually, as we see in the passage, you've been given a few. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. You've been uniquely, by God's grace, chosen to receive certain spiritual gifts that you're to use for others. And that when you serve out of your gifts and you use your gifts, it brings life to you and others as well. See, part of the problem, too, is that when we look at spiritual gifts, we kind of conflate them with natural gifts and learned gifts. These are the gifts that we're very accustomed with. You see, natural gifts are gifts that you're born with. They're connected to your personality, to your physiology, to your mental capacity. Some of you know I have I'm always been athletic. Some of you have always been good with numbers, good with reading comprehension, good with multitasking. You have certain gifts that you have been given that have always been a part of your story, have always been a part of you, and they always will be. Now, then you have learned gifts that we're very connected to because all of us spend a lot of time and attention developing our learned gifts. We spend a lot of time, if you were engaged in a sport, practicing and practicing and practicing. You do a lot more practicing than actually playing the sport to develop your learned gifts. Some of you are still in school and have been in school for a million years because you're developing a gift in you. That requires a lot of schooling, a lot of specialization, and a lot of attention and focus so that you can do your job well. Some of you are in, are in uh, your vocation. You've been out of school, but you're thinking about going back to develop a new gift. Some of you looked at some of the pictures from the Met Gala, and you're like, I want to have that hairstyle. And so you're on YouTube trying to figure out how to make your hair look like a candelabra that you can hang ornaments from. You know, you're trying it out. You want to play an instrument. You're on YouTube trying to learn a gift. See, learn gifts are things that you develop. But spiritual gifts are different than both of them. You're not born with them. And you don't develop them. They are gifts that have been given and assigned to you uniquely by God. They're not connected to your personality or your experience or your spiritual maturity. Or your discipline. Or how hard you focus on developing them. They are given to you, for you to receive and for you to use. Look at the passage with me. I'll be on the screen behind me or on the app if you text it in. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. Notice the language here that Paul writes with. Now, there are a variety of gifts. And we're going to look at those. But the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of of tongues. He's listing out some of the spiritual gifts, but not all of them. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Notice the 
emphasis is on God here throughout. He empowers, he gives, and he apportions to each one individually as he wills. The spiritual gifts are not gifts that you're born with. You don't develop them. They are given to you. When you come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit brings about new birth in you and transformation, transforms your heart and your mind and your relationship with God. And when the Holy Spirit comes and changes you, he brings you gifts. Whether or not you've discovered them, maybe they're hidden, but you have been given gifts. Meaning, if you're here and you believe in faith in Christ, you have spiritual gifts. Everyone does. You may think, I don't really know what my gifts are. I know my natural gifts and my learned gifts, but not my spiritual gifts. Well, you have them, at least one, probably many. And that is why we're doing this series is because we, we believe it is vital as a church that we take the time and we give attention to understanding spiritual gifts and then making space for all of us to discover what are they. What has God apportioned to me individually? What is his grace and his choice for the gifts that I am to have so I can serve from power and not out of my own effort always, which is exhausting? So in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at each of the gifts and breaking those down. So the question is, what are spiritual gifts? What are they? I'm going to identify 21 spiritual gifts for you tonight. And then, as I said, in the next few weeks, we're going to break them down and look at them more in detail. They're going to be sectioned in three categories, love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. And so next week, we'll look at love gifts, and then the following week, uh, next week is love gifts, and then word gifts, and then power gifts is three weeks from now. You're definitely going to be there for power gifts, because that's where tongues is, so you're going to want to be here. But... I do want to say something, and that is this, a couple of disclaimers. One, the gifts that we're identifying, I don't believe are exhaustive in regards to spiritual gifts. And I also want to say that these gifts that we're going to look at, the 21 that are clearly outlined in Scripture, I believe they are all still in full use today. And that if you look back at the history of the church for 2,000 years and you look at Scripture, it backs this up. But God, at times, because they're not born with you and you don't develop them, sometimes God gives more gifts in a greater measure at certain points in history because it's necessary for the church. But that's God's choice. And some of you have a hard time with that because as you heard the gifts read or you read them here in a minute, some of them are foreign and, uh, and you're unfamiliar with them and a little bit bizarre. Maybe you have a negative experience with them. But I believe that these gifts are all in full use, even if they are misused often. They can be misused, and, and it can be used for manipulation and abuse in the church. But just because the expression may be inauthentic and misused, it does not mean that the gift itself does not exist in an authentic way in some place, in some church, through some person. So I just want to Put that disclaimer out there, and if you're like kind of feeling a little bit of pushback to that, that's good. We're walking together. We're journeying together, and I hope you can walk with openness throughout this series. And also, too, I think it's important for you guys to hear that when I list these gifts out, you may be feeling like, I don't know. I really don't know. Even when I looked at them, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, I will tell you, I don't really know mine. I know two, 
And maybe I only have two, but I haven't actually done the type of effort and work and, and really focus and prayer to discover if there's others. And so we're all in this together. And so I'm going to break them down, and, and if, if you're going to like feverishly write, if you just text in to our text number on the backside of your worship program, they're all listed there. They're not going to be on the screen because there's 21 of them, and that'd be a lot of slides. So the first uh, category is love gifts, and love gifts, uh, they manifest the love of God in practical ways. That is the goal of these gifts. They manifest the love of God in practical ways, and there's four of them, the gift of administration, of help of mercy, and of giving. Then you have word gifts, and word gifts clarify the nature, the action, and the purposes of God. So word gifts, their goal is to clarify the nature of God, the actions of God, and the purposes of God. And here are some of the word gifts. Teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, pastoring, shepherding, and evangelism. And then you have the power gifts, and the power gifts They demonstrate the power, presence, and reality of God in the moment. So their goal is for you in the moment to experience and to see the power of God, the presence of God, and the reality of God. And here are the power gifts. Three weeks from now, you're going to want to be here. Prophecy, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, intercession, healing, faith, discernment, works of power, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. Now, all of these gifts are meant to go together and to function together and to work together in the life of the church through God's people. It's important to understand that these gifts don't function like a golf bag. It's not as if you come to faith in God and you have a golf bag and you're like, you got all the gifts, you got all the clubs, and you just decide which one you want to pull out. You're like, I got a lot going on in my life right now. I got to get some things scheduled. So I'm going to pull out the gift of administration and I'm going to use that one. I'm going to stay real far away from tongues because that just, I don't want to go there. I, I, I like healing because someone is, is sick and I want to have the gift of healing. So I'm going to pull that one out. I'm going to use that right now. Discernment, that's good. I'm going to use that as well. Teaching, because I have a seminar coming up, I'm going to use that. That's not how the gifts function. You don't have a golf bag where you can just kind of choose which gifts you want because you don't develop them. And you're not born with them. They're given to you from the Spirit, as we read in 1 Corinthians 12. They've been apportioned to you as God chose in his grace, which means for you to discover what your spiritual gifts are, to develop them, and to use them, you have to depend upon the Spirit. There's not just a a test you can take to really fully understand. There's not a one, two, three step process. You have to depend upon the Spirit through the spiritual practices of prayer and fasting and meditation and corporate worship and studying God's word. All the things we looked at last week, as you depend upon the Spirit, the Spirit will make known to you and reveal to you the gifts that you've been given. The spiritual gift test can help in other things as well, but the Spirit is going to make these known to you. I do want to kind of say something to maybe the two different camps in the room as we're kind of setting up the next three weeks. And that's this. If you're feeling a little bit guarded right now, I understand that. Because the reality is, in our culture, and in American culture in particular, there's kind of two extremes of how we kind of come at spiritual gifts. The first extreme is 
that maybe your experience with spiritual gifts is that you've just seen emotional manipulation and, and honestly abuse regarding spiritual gifts. You were shamed because you maybe didn't receive certain gifts. You were told you didn't have enough faith. You needed more spiritual maturity. That every single person is supposed to have this one gift and then this one. And then as you grow, you're going to get them all. That maybe it felt like you're supposed to have a golf bag and there's certain clubs that you're supposed to have. And if you just trust God more, you're going to receive them. If that's your experience, I just want you to know that, I, that I'm sorry. Because that is not biblical. That is not what we see in 1 Corinthians 12, that God has apportioned specific gifts to you as he chose. He doesn't just give them all to everybody, and if you kind of muster up enough faith, you can get some extra ones. That's not biblical at all. So I'm sorry for that. And I know that probably makes it hard for you to engage with spiritual gifts because you have a lot of baggage that you have to sort through. And so my encouragement to you is this, is to trust that God did not make a mistake with your life experience. That what you experienced was not a mistake and that God is writing that into your story. Maybe the reason he's writing that into your story is so that as you open yourself up and depend upon the Spirit to discover the gifts that you've been given, maybe you'll see that he's given you the gift of discernment. Or maybe you'll see he's given you the gift of faith or of words of wisdom or words of knowledge, or leadership, so that you can help the church and walk with people that are in the same position that you're in, that have similar baggage. Maybe you'll discover that in this series. The other extreme is those of us that have been raised in a tradition, or in a church, or in a culture where the gifts were really ignored. Maybe a few of them, uh, like giving and administration, those ones we're cool with. See, I was raised in that, that kind of upbringing. I heard a lot about God the Father, a lot about Jesus, the Son of God, and yet the Holy Spirit's there. But, I mean, kind of. <laughs> if, if I'm honest, and maybe you feel the same way, is that you learned and you heard and you worshiped God the Father and Jesus the Son, but the Holy Spirit was just like the Holy Spirit three in one. That's like kind of what you knew. And probably in your tradition, it was kind of rejected and you kind of like walked away from it and you pushed away from it because, maybe not you, but the leadership, simply because you f- they felt as if some of the things that the Holy Spirit brings are bizarre and uncomfortable. And the best way to avoid an uncomfortable situation is how? To avoid the person that's bringing the uncomfortable situations. You just avoid the Holy Spirit, and then you avoid these kind of uncomfortable gifts. And my my encouragement to you, if you have that upbringing that I was raised in, that's your experience, is that you approach God's Word and this the rest of this series with humility and with openness, and that you test the spirits. That's part of the problem is this. We don't test the spirits. We don't test the spiritual gifts. In fact, we're encouraged to. Here's what John says in 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, you hear that? But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You're not born with them. You don't develop them from God. You test them to see if they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Some of you are like, yes. (laughs) Amen. We're to test the spirits. But notice what John says. 
He tells us to test the spirits, not to deny that they exist. Test the spiritual gifts. Don't deny whether or not they are a part of God's grace to you. We just read that in 1 Corinthians 12. So how do we test them? How do you test whether or not the spiritual gifts are authentic? You judge their character. Not necessarily their expression, but you judge their character. Look what Paul says in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. You test the character of the gift and you say, is this gift for the common good? Not for personal gain, not for someone to boast, not for somebody to say, look at my spiritual maturity because look at the gifts that I have, not for shame, none of that. And also, not simply just for you to use by yourself. The spiritual gifts are given for the common good. And so you test the character of the gift. Is it for the common good? And the question is, for the common good of what? Of who? The church. The body of Christ. You see in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the next verse after the passage that we read, Paul says, Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. You see, in this section about spiritual gifts, this very famous section talking about the body of Christ, many members but one, your function in the way that God has uniquely gifted. You see, it's all about spiritual gifts. You test the character of the gift by seeing if it is producing good for the body of of Christ. You see, we are to be dependent not only on the Spirit, but we're to be interdependent with each other. If you've kind of fallen into the notion of believing that uh, spiritual life and your Christian faith is really mostly about your own personal worship and your own personal spiritual development, that isn't biblical. You see, what Scripture calls us is that we're to depend on, to, to be interdependent with each other as we depend upon the Spirit. In fact, God gives you and me spiritual gifts to use in the church. The body of Christ, the church, isn't just a place that has a weekly worship service and some nice programs that can help you in your life. The body of Christ is Christ made visible in His church. It's a place where we're to use our spiritual gifts predominantly for each other. You see, the spiritual gifts are guaranteed places of power to serve from in the church for the common good. And so you test the gift yourself and others as we work together, as we care for one another by saying, is this gift for the common good of the church? Because the spiritual gifts are conjoined, they're connected to the fruits of the Spirit. That's how you tell. Are the gifts being exercised, whether it's discernment or teaching or exhortation or giving or administration or whatever they are, are they producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Because the spiritual gifts are conjoined with the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit brings the gifts, and He brings His nature and who He is into them. That's how we test them. So the reality is, is that we need spiritual gifts. We need to discover them and develop them and unleash them. Jesus modeled the use of spiritual gifts. He is the only person that had the full golf bag to use them in his life and his ministry. And what happens when we deny them, when we ignore them, when we just kind of pass over them, is that we're settling for existing in God's church and for serving in a way that feels like we're on a three-legged stool that's missing a leg. 
You see, you can balance on a three-legged stool that's missing a leg for, you know, a pretty good amount of time, but it's exhausting. You're flexing your core and your, your thighs. They're burning because you're trying to not fall over. It's not meant to be sat on that way. And I really do believe, and, and this is why I'm passionate about this series, is that so many of us feel burnt out and exhausted in the church. So many of us feel that what we experience in the church is just the same thing all the time. And so maybe we just kind of step away from faith. We don't make it a priority. We don't kind of engage with God. It's just the same thing over and over again. No real power. It doesn't feel like you're a part of something bigger. You're just in a routine. Burnt out. We're exhausted. We feel like God isn't really using us. We feel like there's no real meaning. Why do you think that is? I mean, many reasons, but I think one of them can be because we have not experienced a church that's come together to serve from a guaranteed place of power, which is the spiritual gifts. How are we serving and caring for one another for the common good through the things that God has uniquely, through His grace, given us? There's a quote I want to read you from Tim Keller, who's an author and pastor. It stuck with me this week. He said, there are certain things you and only you alone can do. And if you, in God's providence, are here, then the rest of us need you, or you wouldn't be here. God doesn't waste people. He doesn't waste assets like the rest of us do. Therefore, it is absolutely crucial that we embrace the theology of the spiritual gifts, that there be no unemployed or passive Christians. You see, how many of us feel unemployed? And if we're honest, maybe passive in our faith and in our interaction in life in the church because we don't really know how God has called for us to fit in the body. We haven't discovered whether or not we're the arm or the legs or the mustache. I don't know. And you determined how you serve and where you serve and how you care for people and, and what gives you life. You see, we're to be employed as we depend upon the Spirit, as we're interdependent with each other. You see, the Spirit comes with power. Romans 8, 10 through 11 tells us that, but if Christ is in you through faith, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives in you through faith. That power dwells and brings life to you. You see, last week we looked at how Jesus said that he is telling us that we will do all the works that he's done and even greater things. And the question is, how will we do the things that Jesus has done through the Spirit as a church interdependent upon each other as we rely upon the power of the Spirit, as we discover our gifts, as we realize that we're bound with Christ in faith, we're under Christ through his church, and we are for Christ as we discover, develop, and unleash our gifts for the common good. So my prayer is that over the next few weeks, you will come expectant. You will come expectant to, to see the Holy Spirit release and, and make known and evident to you the gifts that he's uniquely apportioned to you. 
that you would discover how you can serve from that. It will give life to you and life to others. I want to encourage you to do this one action step when you come back next week. When you walk in, as you prepare your heart, maybe you're driving in, you're walking here, just simply pray, Holy Spirit, will you make known to me the gifts you've given me? Will you help me to see if I have the love gifts or if I have some word gifts or power gifts? Just ask the Holy Spirit as you depend upon him to make known to you what he's given you because that's where life is found. Will you pray with me? God, I confess that I rely on my own strength a lot. I serve out of my own strength often. It feels easier, honestly. I haven't really focused on the gifts that you've given. And so, Lord, I, I ask that you would help me to see through encouragement from others, as I depend upon your spirit, as I look at your word, that you would make known to me the, the gifts that you've apportioned to me. Pray that you would do the same for all of us here, for our church, that we would see the spiritual gifts as gifts to be discovered, developed, and unleashed in your church, that it bring life to us and our community that we would know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.